0: Hi, Jim Kosho here from Dunn Lumber. Welcome to the Dunn Solutions Podcast, where we're committed to providing cutting edge industry knowledge for the building contractor and trade professional. Today we'll hear from Howard Shermack. Howard founded the award-winning Shermack Construction Company in 1980, and is a much loved and respected leader in the local remodeling industry. Howard also negotiated the successful sale of his business recently, and agreed to share some of his knowledge and insight with us. On today's podcast, Howard will discuss some ways to evaluate the health of your business, including why it's important to hire people who are more skilled at their trade than you are, the importance of learning from your competitors, why a healthy workplace requires trust, empathy, and collaboration, the value of failure, measured risk, and conquering your fears, and why education and community involvement are beneficial for everyone involved. For information on attending future educational events, feel free to email me at jimc at dunlumber.com.
1: It occurred to me that I have been coming to these remodeling meetings uh, for 30 years. And as I was thinking about that, I joined um, the Remodelers Council at a very pivotal time in my business. It It was a time when, instead of working in, or rather, in the business, I decided to work on it. I wanted to become a businessman i wanted to learn how to become more professional in my approach i wanted to learn how to grow my company and i and i think that there are three main things that a remodel council offers to to anyone who comes and that is learn from the experts connect with industry leaders and find a supportive community and all of those things happen here here at the remodel Remodelers Council. I started, when I started, I joined the Remodelers Council also to gain certification and that is my Certified Graduate Remodeler Certification. And so I I began my life and it took me a while to do it because the only classes that were offered were in California, or at least the closest to us were. And so went through that I guess, that um, that training and those classes and the variety of things that needed to happen in order to do it. So I'm proud to say that I was the second certified graduate remodeler in the state of Washington. So pretty cool, huh? Jack Tenholtson, number one. So if you know him, uh, he is he is now in second generation with his son and his family, uh, sons, I guess, of business, and very well respected. So anyway, let's talk about this evening's subject and how, you, how do you evaluate the health of your business. And so I Googled that exact phrase, and what I got was 17.5 million results. and I'm serious so it's obviously a big subject it's obviously something that is very can be very technical and so I asked Bob Berger from B2B CFO to give me a hand he was introduced to me by Jim Kosho at Lumber, and um, and I asked him if he would give me a hand, because it looked like it was so big to handle that it was going to be hard to boil this down into a talk. And Bob came up with a wonderful sheet that we have multiple copies of, and it really is a sheet with, I guess it's five categories on it, and they're the technical questions that will rattle your cage when you read them. And they should be very useful. Richard commented when I showed it to him. Richard, our marketing manager, commented on it and said, "I want to know the answer to these two right here." And um, it's uh, I'm not going to hand it out right now because I know what you're going to do. You're going to read this piece of paper and not listen to me. So, so I'll, I'll hand it out in a, I'll hand it out in a bit, and um, we can talk a little bit more about it. The other one that I want to mention is that Mark Richardson who is a well-known national consultant in our business, has written a book called How Fit Is Your Business? And if you want to go to the technical end of things and you want to dive deep into how do you determine or how do you evaluate, rather, the health of your business, this is a book that Uh, you definitely want to get and you want to read through. He goes into things here that have taken him years of study in order to understand. He's a very bright man. Uh, It's a very good book, and it's a good one. But I'd like to leave the technical data and tell you about how I developed the company, CRF Construction, into what it is today and yeah i did say crf construction because for nine years the company was called crf construction and what uh one of one of the reasons i chose crf construction was that i didn't want to spell my name whenever you say Shermac and you walk into the office they will start to look excuse me they will start to look in The S's, guaranteed. So CRF, I figured it was foolproof. And it was, until one day I walked into Parker Paint, big paint store, was a good customer of theirs. And I said, hi, have a charge for Shermac Construction. Normal language, no question about it. Young man behind the counter says, how do you spell that? Yeah, no. (laughs) Don't ask me how to spell CRF construction. But um, yeah, there there are many ways to do that. S e e a r e and I didn't go through all that. I just I just decided it was time to really look for a catchy name. We went through a contest in our company, and we we looked for a name. And I think there were eighty maybe names that were suggested. And my longest term employee, he has been with me now for thirty three years. Not quite as long then, but. Um, he came up to me one day and he says, Howard, why don't you call it Shermac? And I went, oh, he could be on to something here. So, so that's what we named it, by golly, how about that? And so it became Shermack Construction, but the CRF part of it had a little bit more meaning too, because uh, in 1980, interest rates were above 20%. And many construction businesses did not make it. The one that I was working for failed. And so I named my company the Shermac Recession Fund. And so that's where CRF construction came from. <laughs> and all the money went into the fund, of course, in order to in order to make it work. So Brian Duma came up with one other really good, really good saying. Whenever we would have a customer who would tell us that um, they had it they had a project uh, that was bid for about 50% or 40% of what it is that we had bid. He had the line, and he told me to use it. I really haven't been able to do it yet, but it was, we could do it for that if you provide the labor and the materials. <laughs> so there's, there's, there's uh, he, he had a good sense of humor, but he also really knew how to fit things in. So I would like to talk about I would like to talk about how to grow your company from first year probably less than $50,000 to the two, 2007 numbers of $9.3 million. I want to talk about first about something that's very important at Shermac Construction, and that's our motto, have fun, make money. It's that simple, it's that straightforward, and it's what we like to do, it's what we like to think about, and really your entire life can be measured by that in the construction industry if you're not having fun if you're not making money you know don't be in it it isn't it isn't that much fun anyway so so hire people the next thing i would say on lessons learned is hire people that are better than you at what they do hire hire as best you can the first man that the first counselor business counselor that came into my life he was also a personal counselor at the time was named Frank Miller and he stayed with me long enough to become my mentor and the man who helped me navigate the growth of a business and he introduced me to as you might imagine his significant other whose name was Judy Rice. And now that Judy Rice is the very same Judy Shermack that is sitting here this evening. But what Judy brought to the company in hiring people who are better than you are at what they do, she brought the softer side of Shermac to Shermac Construction. She brought caring, collaboration, she brought a sense of family and connection to a company that was really a pretty rough-and-tumble remodeling company. And that piece of it means that we had an ambassador for caring. And it changed the fabric of the company, and it changed the way that we did business. So she was the one who brought to Shermac Construction, Shermac Cares. And when she says Shermac Cares, she means it. you can trust me on this one. And Dana Shermac entered into the business world also as a great hire. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. But, but she, um, the, um, my counselor uh, at the time, Frank Miller, said that, you know, you will never have to worry about Dana. She knows, She knows people and she can read them. And if you ever have questions about that, ask her. And also please know that if you think you can out-wait Dana, you can't, so I'm just saying that if you if you if you think she's going to respond first, <laughs> she will always respond well but but not necessarily first so the the piece that is so very important is that Dana came into the company and has the attitude that she will help anybody do anything. And it's an important piece, I think, to have someone like that in your company. And I'm so very fortunate that um, she, she works for us, because I think in many situations, as she was growing up and going through it, it might have been called slavery. <laughs> but but um, and I think that also another lesson that I learned is that I think that all employees really should be treated as gems, as, as people who are so very important to your business that they expand everything that you do. And every, every Shermacian that is sitting in this room has had some form or function in order to help this company become what it is. So if I'm asked, how did I grow, it's with the people who supported the concept of Shermac construction and the principles and then expanded on those also. So I want to say thank you to all of them. Another life lesson is um, don't let fear control your life. there's a way to rely on your knowledge and your intuition and to lessen what it is that might stop you from stepping into unknown territory. And I think that it's a very important lesson to know that you can't work from fear, but you can control it, and you can work with it, and you can get beyond it. And it's really important in a business, I think. So. Around 2001, a story about that. We were building our building. It's about a 4,000 square foot, two-story building in Edmonds, and it's on Edmonds Way, so a main thoroughfare. And we were so very fortunate to find the property and and get it and start the building. And 2001, if you remember, there was quite an event <laughs> at 9/11, and our phone stopped ringing. Uh, There really wasn't any business that was going on because I think every person in the United States was watching the television to see what it was that was happening, to make sense of it and things. And it is a place where fear could have very easily taken over. But we were so fortunate to have friends who could help support us and say, this too will pass that could help support us and say, what are you going to do if you don't? There's always that particular situation. And then you think about the families that a company like ours supports, and you think, what do they do? What do they do if you implode? What do they do when you're so fearful you can't move forward? So I was working there one late afternoon and next door to me, there was a walkway where the dentists, doctor's dentists, walked by. And one of them walked by and he talked through an open window and he said, are you the owner? And I said, yes, I certainly am. And he said, do you have enough business to afford that building?
2: <laughs>
1: Whoa. <laughs> well, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> You know, um, I just always assumed, and uh, optimistically, that there always would be business. There would always be a way to get business in the door. There would always be something to create, and I could rely on others in the company to create that same kind of thing. So, uh, no, I didn't have enough business to afford that building, but I was going to. And so it took us 10 years to afford the building, but... It also, it also required that piece of confidence and that piece of optimism that I think is extremely important in evaluating your business. Optimism over fear, excellent thing. So, I think that connecting with industry experts is a piece that is super important in our business jim kosho senior and jim kosho junior called and asked me to meet them for breakfast at an ungodly hour Uh, they are early risers i'm not but i went because i was very interested and you know jim and his dad uh, jim was the manager of the uh, Dunlummer linwood store, and his father was an executive at the main office, as Jim is now. But they, they talked to me about a partnership that could, that could help my business grow, and they talked to me about a partnership that could help make it easier to access materials at a, at a reduced cost. It, it really couldn't have been any better offer. It really, and they have followed through and they structured that, that conversation, but also how they provided the materials. And they have become an integral part of the Shermac fabric. And um, they are so trusted. And I think that that's another word about lessons learned. It is so important to have trust in your business. It's, it's a piece that um, you certainly need to be able to trust your people. Your people need to be able to trust you. you the people who are the industry experts, um, there's a trust to be built there. And I think that it's just so super important to have those relationships. And I think that you can find them in multiple places. And I'm sure I'm um, forgetting. 10 or 15 that we have in addition to that. But but they're very important. The other piece, industry experts, are the teachers. And in my age, uh, it was Walt Steppleworth who really brought professionalism to remodeling. He talked to remodelers about make sure that you 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 express a professional attitude and also add a markup that is reasonable to be able to make a living to your business before you tell a customer the price. And Phil Ray was a was a sales guru that I followed a lot and and so connecting with those experts in in our field, through the National Association of Home Builders through, Um, through many multiple channels right now is a very important thing to do and I think that it can really help you grow your business another thing that I would recommend is find a company that is larger than you in an area that you want to grow in an area that you want to bring into your company and ask them how they did it ask them if there's a company that has a let us say a roofing company (laughs) and we tried roofing in the in the mid 90s and almost to the year 2000 and it was a wonderful cash machine because the job turnover was two or three days maybe four for a bigger job or five but but the piece of it was that it was a totally different culture than um, the carpentry culture in the and the project manager culture that, that, is, um, that is more in line with remodeling. So we, we backed out of that particular thing. But I need to say that it was, an important, it was an important process because I learned a lot about who we were and what not to do. Wasn't it someone who said, if you want more success, fail more? And I, I think it's really true. I think that failure can teach you. And I think, I think that it, success comes out of it. And I think that you can step into success only if you know what it is that you don't want to do. And sometimes a failure is a motivation for, I was speaking at our table tonight, and um, 2011 was one of the toughest years that we ever had. and and stepping into that year and finding out how to do it. At Shermac Construction, we had to downsize the office. And we asked our employees, would you take a 10% pay cut if we could keep this person in our employ? And you know what they did to a person? They said yes. And so there's a piece, there's a piece that says people can work together, that people can do great things, and I think that it's really about the, the the sum of what happens being greater even than the parts that are that are put into it. So, if you want to expand your business model, challenge yourself and and look at that bigger business. Um, invest in your good company customers and treat them so well that they just can't can't not come back and I want to talk about Sarah Jane Johnson who was a customer that started my business and very quickly I worked on her home as a carpenter for almost two years and and uh, we did just about everything inside that house and she had she she what do I want to say about uh, six or seven months into working on her house she gave me an ultimatum and she said Howard, you may have one decision a day. You're asking me too many questions. I'm having to give you too many answers. And so think of a question, make it a good one, because it's the only one I'm going to answer that day. So, 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 so Sarah Jane uh, wrote a very nice letter about my retirement. And um, she, she mentioned that we are working for her granddaughter. Isabel Johnson, currently, and and it's it's something that is so satisfying, and it's a customer that's a repeat customer. It's a customer that, um, for a very small effort, you can you can generate a lot of business out of it that just doesn't come through the family or the generations, but it comes from that positive spiral of referral and things. So so treat your good customers very very well and ask your bad customers not to use you again you know that's that would be that would be the other advice and i won't mention anybody that we send them to (laughs) those bad customers (laughs) but sarah jane is very very special and i would like to get together with her she lives in wyoming but has a place on orcas and I would like to visit her there. And it just sort of rounds out a really good relationship. And it's what can be built if you have people who will help you put together the kind of company that Shermack Construction is. And think outside the box, I would recommend. Um, Challenge yourself. Think outside the box. But certainly, if you do, make certain that you can cover the bet. Don't do anything wildly. don't don't do anything without support or a backup plan. Just just think outside the box. How could I do this differently? What if a whole bunch one of Judy's favorites <laughs> is what if <laughs> i uh I assume as I'm walking out the door that we're done talking and I'm going to say goodbye and I'll be darned if nine out of ten times it isn't. What if you, yeah, anyway, Um, I suggest you run your business by the numbers. I think you need to know your numbers. If you are starting your business and you're thinking of buying um, an accounting system, throw that idea away and go two steps higher and buy that accounting system. You cannot buy a good enough accounting system to take you through growth in the remodeling industry. Um, Very early on, we were fortunate to to move into a program called Timberline. And it actually came in those those days, in the late 80s, with a computer (laughs) in order to run it, because it was that powerful and computers were not. All that powerful. But what we can do at Shermac Construction is all of the bills are accrued during the week through Friday and labor is put into um, the computer system on Mondays and on Tuesday mornings we review every job with every cost that has been accrued in that project. No matter how long we've been at it, whether it just started or it's just ending. And that ability to do job costing inside your accounting system, if you're going to grow, you have to have it. Buy the best accounting software you probably you, you possibly can. And it goes back to hiring the best employee you can in order to run it. Or the outside consultant who is going to do it for you in a consistent manner. I really don't think you can do that if you're going to do heavy job costing because there isn't sep- separation doesn't work in that, in that arena. Um, support education at all levels of your organization. Go to the National Association of Home Builders show, the international show. Um, go to Pacific Coast Builders Conference in San Francisco. It's a nice town. You'll learn a lot. I think it's I think it's important also that if they put an education program in place for your employees, offer some incentive to, to to have them do, to have them take classes, to have them get a degree. We have a young man sitting over here that now has. A degree from the university of washington because we negotiated a way for him to be able to do that and i can't tell you what it means to see him and his pride and uh, and, and the rest of the rest of what he brings to us and what he brought in new information from that program so that we could grow in a special way so I also suggest that you support some common community causes with you. And I mean, in your own community, where it really means something. Maybe join a rotary club. Maybe t- help a senior center. Uh, it doesn't matter. It can be at your church. It can be anywhere. But get your company involved in that. I think it's important, also. Um, <laughs> my, I wrote a comment here. And it says, invest in your employees. Some of my best ideas weren't mine, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So we have we have the joke in my company where the FedEx man, if you've seen this commercial, he is uh, he is stating, um, he is he's 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 talking to the group, and the young man, charging young man, says, "I know what we can do. We can save money by uh, sending our all of our materials FedEx." and the boss listens to that, and he's sitting at the head of the table and he says, let's send all our material, everything we have by FedEx. And the young man jumps a bit and he says, I just said that. And the boss says, you didn't do this. So, so we use that now. So, so, so some of my best ideas weren't mine. But I'll take credit for it. <laughs> okay. two, two last things. Um, never try to motivate from punishment. And never accept anyone saying, I can't because. So I hope you all have fun. I hope you all make money. Thank you. Uh-huh. Well, thank you. Oh, please. <laughs> oh okay. uh-huh. kind. Thank you, John. Thank you. Uh, do we have time for questions, or we should we do, do questions? We do. We do. Sure. Happy to.
2: Let's, uh, let's open it up. Are there any questions for Howard this evening? Yes, Melissa.
0: Can you speak a little bit about um, family relationships in the
2: company? The question. Oh. But- yeah, yeah. The question yeah. was, I have to do this for them. Was uh, can Howard speak a little bit about family relationships in the business?
1: Yes, they can be dicey, and and <laughs> they really can because I mentioned earlier uh, about the slavery thing, <laughs> uh, but. But really, uh, the the helpful the helpful piece for me was the counselor that was both business and personal. But he started out as marriage counselor, and it's a very fine point. But the the marriage counselor helped me through a rough part of my first marriage, and um, he also helped Dana, and. As Judy arrived on the scene, she could help us with how do you how do you incorporate Dana in the company and how do you not take advantage of the fact that she's your daughter? How do you do that? And what Frank recommended was that I not be her boss. A very interesting thing. And um, he said, Judy will be her boss. And so she will answer to Judy. Judy will, um, Judy will guide her in the company. If anything needs to be said to her or given to her or anything else, um, I, he said, Howard, I would like you to be the single dad that you are. And I would like you not to have to reprimand her for what it is that it's worked. So it's an excellent question. And I can say that Judy and I have kept counseling and counselors close to us in order to understand how to navigate this business and the personalities and the variety of things that come up. Judy's daughter is also a social worker. And so we hired her once every two weeks. To work with us on just that personnel, um, certainly family, um, although she's really not very much work. Um, she's, uh, uh, it, but, but talking about getting help and getting, getting people to, with perspective, to tell you how is that working. I would have never thought I couldn't be Dana's boss. But she did a lot of work around the company. It kept us close. We did not have a lot of money to do other kinds of things as a family. And so this was what we did. And it's how it it worked out. Um, And I can say to you that uh, Judy and I worked together for nine years. So we became best friends before um, we were married. And we decided we'd better announce to the company, I believe in November, uh, that we were going to be dating because um, the two most important people in the company needed to be very transparent. So we, sat and we took everyone to lunch uh, that we could find and uh, sat down in the restaurant. And we announced that we were going to begin dating what happened from there was that every woman in the group went, Psh! I guess they knew it, okay? And the guys went, what? They are? What? Huh? Really? Yeah. So, so we only had six phone lines at the time, but when we went back, they lit up, believe me. But it was, it. <laughs> it was the counseling, I'm very serious about this and, and it, it, some people may feel awkward in talking about counseling and things, I don't. I know what it helped to do and I know that it can really help because it can get really dicey with family. You have some, you have some hard decisions to make and you have some, uh, some touchy ones, so yeah, thank you. So the lunch date with Joseph. I need to talk to you afterwards. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, Todd. Yeah. Going to start. Is your dating. contract
2: based, based basically T time and material. No, no. Todd I want you know. Todd mm-hmm. asked if his contract is for uh, time and material. Uh, my ahead. question
1: is, what do you do on Tuesday mornings? I, I want. Oh. To hear okay. 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 The, um, If I could, if I could back up just a little bit, I have a um, a system that um, is a written spec. It's a firm bid. It's a firm bid system, first of all. And so there is a written specification explaining the work that we do for every client, and these are the ones that are serious. And then there is a spreadsheet that is done that is homemade, um, but it details costs out in 50 categories down and five across, 250 categories. And so what I would like the spreadsheet and the specification to do is when I take a look at it and John hands it to me, I would like it to say to me, this proves I can do this job through to the end and make the profit I want to. So those two pieces of paper are extremely important. What happens is that, Spreadsheet goes into the Timberline accounting system, exact phase code, and it's entered in in exact numbers for cost, not for markup. So the markup is in a different part of your financial statement. You have an area that are sales at the top, or we do, sales at the top, direct job costs. Everything it costs out on the jobs in an area, and then general and administrative costs below. Well, if you have enough markup, don't worry, and you know your general and administrative costs, don't worry about them. Worry about how much that job, the direct job costs are. That's what goes into the spreadsheet, that's what tracks in Timberline, and so on every job we get the first sheet to come out, job hasn't started, it's empty. Costs start to go in on Tuesday morning. We start to look at the variance on the right-hand column. Variance meaning that we have we we, ha- we know that if the subcontractor bid five hundred dollars and that's what he charged us, the variance will be zero. If he charged us seven hundred, the variance will be minus two hundred. Boo! Don't like that one. So. So uh, there, that's what we're looking at on every job that we have. We can take a look at time and material projects. I would, I would in the past, have preferred not to do. Uh, but take a look at time and material jobs in that there's a certain amount of money that you have billed. And there's a certain amount of money because all the job, the costs, I'm sorry, the real actual costs are in, but there's no budget. So, so you, you have your uh, cost side, and then you got your markup side. Right? That's right. What if uh,
2: you know John comes up, and then there's a bid from electrical, you know, five grand, and the cost was, say, four. by your markups, what do you do at uh, four between four and six, so it falls in five grand? You're okay with that?
1: Um, I would like a bid from a subcontractor uh, to tell me what that job is. Um, we try to we try to request bids for our jobs in those big areas that we know and and, and electrical and plumbing and siding, uh, concrete work, you know all the big ones, I would prefer that we have a bid. If we are close enough and it's a kitchen and we know that it's very close to, what we did last time, then we'll take that seven thousand dollars and put it in our spreadsheet, and the spreadsheet marks it up. And and so if there's a big, there will be a lot of variance going down through the fifty items that go on a larger project, going down through them, there'll be variance in those, in those, uh, there'll be variance, but. High, low, high, low, high, low. And when you look at it, you start to get an idea of, holy smokes, we're $2,000 over on a, on a $4,000 bid. What can we do about it? That's, that's how it works. Uh, well, I mean, first of all, we could take a look and see if he built us twice. You the subcontractor. You know, I mean, it's, it's possible, those little sons of guns. Uh, but we can take a look and see what you know we, we'll work with John in this case to see what is it that caused that? And it can be a myriad of things that does, but we get to ask the same question of him when he has one that's two thousand dollars the other way, and there's two thousand dollars worth of profit. And he says, well, I was a little worried, so I put a little extra in there and and so, and what we want to do for variance is hit our numbers, but then uh, hit our numbers if we possibly can. But if not, have enough in markup where it doesn't make such a difference. You know, so so it's, a, it's, a, it's an entire system of, of gathering information, putting it into a very powerful accounting system, and, and with POs and commitments and all kinds of big words that contractors use, but it goes into the system. It comes out on Tuesday because we're that efficient right now at putting the information in. So I remember that um, Judy said I should mention that I began to run the company from the office. And I did it by having the accounting system. So I didn't have to go to the job sites because the people who sell the jobs in my company also produce them as, as a, a if you will, a production manager. So we call them uh, project developers, which they do. But it means they both sell and produce the project with site manager, lead carpenter, whoever, subcontractors whoever it is. And they basically are taking care of the customer and then helping the carpenter if they need it. And And they are pretty special people. You better believe we got some A-types at Shermack Construction and uh, pretty opinionated about what they do and awfully good at it. A problem in our industry is there are not remodeling salespeople trained remodeling salespeople that are not owners of a company. Okay, We just we don't have them. So we, we found one, but it came from a competitor. And he decided not to work for the competitor anymore and was out looking for a job. And it's the first time that we have been able to hire a trained, fully trained, really, uh, salesperson. So interesting, huh? Yeah, tough game.
2: Any other questions? Yes.
0: Can you speak into the transition process from when you're transitioning to the new leadership at all?
2: He asked if you could speak to the transition process from his leadership to the new leadership.
1: Yes. It was very important to really all of us at Chermac Construction, most especially um, Judy, Dana, and myself as as the people who sort of had to take a look at how to do this how do you make a transition smooth how do you how how do you plan for this and how do you how do you take care of everyone who has taken care of you so that it is one we um noah purchasing the company was the fourth person that we considered to purchase the company there were three other offers and they did not fit what it was we felt needed, a person needed to bring to the table. A group of people wanted to downsize Shermac construction. Uh, you can't be in the building that we're in with the people that we have and hold it together by cutting it in half. Uh, recessions do that kind of work. So, <laughs> so, 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 but you really can't. So. Um, they should go buy another company. Uh, another company wasn't qualified. Another time, um, neither I nor the, um, the, the other person were ready for that, were ready for that purchase. And so um, we stopped that one. But I felt like Shermack Construction had matured in a way. And so I gave my friend, uh, Noah, a call. And I said, what do you think, last year? Late year, and said, "What do you think?" And he says, "You know," and he laid it out for me. So the groundwork of it was that Noah said, "Howard, what we should do is we should decide everything that matters about this about this transaction, and come to an agreement with it before we call in the experts that charge us five hundred dollars an hour." And uh, we did that, and so thinking that Noah was a good person and planning to planning to come to an agreement before we actually spent literally thousands of dollars. And then Noah did due diligence that will make you tired and we don't have enough time to tell you this evening, but he is a very thorough man. And so there was the piece of personalities and uh, intelligence and styles that I think would fit. I can tell you, it could not be better. He is so well suited to take on the second generation of Shermac that um, it's, it's remarkable, it really is. So thank you for asking All right.
2: Yes. yes? As you rose to be one of the largest volume uh, remodelers in our area. Uh, you had a quick rise. You were on top. Have been for a long time. Uh, did you find your right size uh, on purpose or by accident? Uh, he asked if Howard found the appropriate size of his company for uh, what was it again? For for gross volume. For his volume. Did mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Where, where was your happy place?
1: Mm-hmm. There. Okay. Yeah. There really is a happy place. I was told. I was told when I started the company that. Um, it, you, have, you have sales, production, and administration, and when you hit $650,000, you've got to give up one. One of those. Pick any one, you can, you can, but you have to give it up. And the idea was that you couldn't do it all any longer. And then they talked to me about being in no man's land, and that is that you have to add in overhead people to help you, and there really isn't enough business generated yet to get there. And at the time, uh, it was be above 1.5 million. And it's a struggle when you're hitting around $600,000 to hit 1.5 million. But there was a real sweet spot around 2 and a half to $3 million. And then we decided to buy a company, or I mean a building, I'm sorry, and and build it. Um, That that break-even point raised quite a bit (laughs) by about a million dollars, and so then it was more comfortable to be at that range. When I did over nine million dollars in 2007, our problem was that it was too much work and there was no infrastructure There weren't the people to handle that volume. So I am a bit embarrassed to say that we did about $2 million worth of work for free. Just didn't make money on it, really did not. (laughs) But we made it up in volume. Yeah, but we really, (laughs) you know, you've all heard that one, right? I only lost a bit, but I made it up in volume. But it really is, it really is the truth because we were doing $7 million of very effective work. And so, um, what I would say right now is that where Shermack Construction is, is a very nice, comfortable place, but it probably, with the personnel, and, and where it is, I think it can grow to 9 million. But then some, some parts and pieces are going to have to be put into it. So, so where are we happiest right now? We're at the high sevens, or high sixes, rather. And it's, it's a very comfortable place to be with kind of the balance of the people that we have and we're able to get. And we are triple in our subcontractors the use of subcontractors. How are you doing it with labor? Not our own. Big answer to that question. Yeah? What's your general feeling about this?
2: And there's a lot of new and growing companies here. Do you want to be comfortable, or do you need to keep being a little uncomfortable? (laughs) Just a real oh. Yeah, the question was, (laughs) is it best to be comfortable, or do you need to strive to be just a little bit uncomfortable?
1: Yes, and I, and I think you've got to be comfortable with change. They're, 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 you, you have to make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. And as I said earlier, take a chance. And taking a chance is growth, it is stepping into hiring that new person. Shermac is considering a new person that just has to find a place in the company, and they think they have it. But, you know, Noah's got to step into, well, Do I want to increase my overhead? And do I believe that by doing so, I can make a higher profit, more money, I can have a better business. So it's always stepping into it. I, I really, I believe that. And I know he'll do it. I've watched him. And I've watched Dana as his main advisor. And they're talking about it. This person will be added. And it will be a great, a great thing. But it's, it, it's a good question. You do need to push yourself in order to um, help your company grow. And what it does is provide opportunity. And, and you will lose, if you're not, what's the guy say? If you're not growing, you're. Uh, shrinking. 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 Yeah, obviously. Oh, shrinking. Yeah, that's it. Grow, shrink. Okay. Uh, but you, it really is a, it, 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 if you're not growing, then you're going to be shrinking. You're going to lose people because there's not opportunity and they can't step into that job. I love to say, take my job, please. You know, because if they would just do what it is I do, I can go do something that maybe I enjoy even more. And that's the optimism, too, Joe. You know that. That's your, yeah, good plant question. We all know that remodeling has had its ups and downs economically
2: through the financial times. We've all seen several highs and lows. And it's been my experience that some of the people who have succeeded the best are those who have. Actually, divested and and as you mentioned roofing earlier, are there other interests that you've had to help
1: supplement your remodeling? And what are you going to do after retirement now? Yeah. <laughs> what
2: are you going to do after retirement? Yeah,
1: I think that is. I think that is the question, isn't it? Yes. Uh, well, I decided that. I decided that um, if I was going to. If I was going to want to be in a business doing what I'm doing, I might just as well keep this one. So I really am ready to retire. I'm ready to move on to the next thing. We are we are going to take a short vacation this year in November and then uh, probably take off for an extended one uh, yet after the first of the year. But we have made a pact with each other that I will not make I will not say yes for a year. <laughs> so, so I want not back to my question. Yes. I look at your numbers through the
2: years. Were you involved in other businesses as well? You mentioned roofing. But I know a lot of remodelers that have been involved in property investment, or storage uh, <laughs> facilities, or whatever. Did you do that as well to supplement the lean times in remodeling or not?
1: No. No, um, the lean times in remodeling, we went down to fifty percent of the business, and we worked with the people. Um, I talked to the landlord on our building, and he said I would be okay just making the payments on the building. <laughs> um, uh, but but it was a it was a it was a thing where we just adjusted to becoming super efficient and if you would have asked me before it all came I would have told you I don't have a clue how to I'm going to do that and if you would have told me that I could go below my break-even point a year earlier two years earlier my break-even point was higher than four and a half million so so when the recession hit 2011 was the worst what's What was the key? No debt. No debt. We really, I can't say anything else was really front and forward. The other one was that the people of Shermack Construction were willing to support what it was we were trying to do, what we were trying to keep together. And some of those people are sitting in this room. There's no question about it. And it would be, We could ask them, but what I can tell you is they tightened their belt down, they took a look at what it is they could do, and they offered their knowledge and their intelligence in order to do it. Home repair. repair. I'm not doing home repair. I am I'm telling you that's a hassle. They're too small a jobs, you can't make any money at it, and it saved the company. And guess who suggested we do home repair? You know, yeah, yeah. Well Jerry was asking about root owners. I mean you had a roofing. Yes. You had
2: your own employees doing the roofing, right? at that time? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: And, and now you're saying that you'd rather sub out most of the portion instead of having them as overhead. Can yes. you explain how you feel about that? Yeah. Um, what What we learned through the years in this job costing system is that you can control your costs on a project by asking a subcontractor to hold his number, and there's variations of how well that works. But when we ask for a bid from a subcontractor, we say, we will use you, we like you, we won't bid you out twice, give me a fair price, and if I get the job, you get the job. And so and so, controlling the variance from your goal and trying not to go lower is that you get a bid, the subcontractor holds it, you plug it in your spreadsheet and you're home free because you have a markup on it the really it's the system of project developers they they um some of their pay is predicated uh one of our one of our um i don't want to say oldest but uh, most senior most senior project developers is hundred percent commission the rest are some form of salary commission but they're very interested in watching the job costs and the quality of the work because they're facing the customer they're they're weekly we have weekly meetings it's one of the requirements of our business i think it's important but they're facing the customer weekly and if it's not at a quality level and I can tell you when we had a roofing company on a flat roof on a building in um, in, in Seattle uh, the roofers went home and um, the people called us later that night and said I got water coming in and we went up to take a look at the roof and there was a full square of torchdown down roofing missing. There was nothing and we asked the rougher, what were you thinking with this sort of thing? And uh, he went, well, ran out of material, and it was Friday. And you go, OK, we're not going to pay on Thursday anymore. <laughs> how, do so, you, how, do you, uh, how do you make sure that uh, John, project developer, uh-huh. yeah, more office people,
0: right? Yes. Y- yes. To uh, not have a you know, grip or struggle with uh, job site managers
1: or foreman? Great question. It's a great question. Um, two of our very best uh, site managers are here today with us. And um, it has always been a goal to not have an us and them, that we ask the project developers not to say, you need to work faster, and not to have the field managers and the carpenters say you got to bid higher because it's the per, you know it's the perennial fight with things, but yeah, yeah, but 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 really um, trying to include everybody in the company and and saying that we want it to be a win-win for everyone. We want everyone to be included and we want them to be respected and heard. So if we have a problem with a project developer bidding too lowly the carpenter can have a voice because he also watches those numbers and he he is responsible for those numbers on the job site and and it's a it's a, it's a partnership and the the partnership keeps it and it's a close partnership because I don't know you see some of them three four five times a week you know and you're working with them in order to make a make a make a decent one so that would be my answer is the structure of the company and and the people who are in it are very special
2: thank you yeah.